I'm Jamie Hurst, and for the MSU Denver Alumni Association, we're excited to bring you Bird Talk, a podcast about our alumni, their careers, and their lives. And do your clothes just habitually smell like hops? I probably, I don't know. I'm I can't smell you from here. Okay. So. <laughs> the days that I take like a yeast bath on accident, those are probably the worst. Sure. It, just, it coats on there and it's... <laughs> We're thrilled to welcome Abby Lendine to this episode of Bird Talk. Uh, Abby is a 2017 alumna of MSU Denver and a member of the first brewing operations graduating class. She loves beer and is currently the brewer at Sandlot Brewery at Coors Field in Denver, where she recently created the recipe for the Rockies' 30th anniversary beer, the Sandlot Summer Session, a session IPA with citrus hop, a nose of pine, and a slight bitter backbone. Thank you for joining us. <laughs> I just really wanted to put in, like, it feels as though I could, like, talk about beer in a very special way. Thank you for having me. But yeah, we're super pumped to have you. So 2017 grad in a fall commencement ceremony, right? Yes, it was in the fall. It had to be fun being the first of a program, like an inaugural program that gets to graduated students. Yeah, it was really cool. I think I think there was five of us that were in that group that graduated and to be part of the brewing program because I know they had it as an independent study beforehand and so a few people have had that but to have it be a full program was really cool and a lot of fun to be part of. I mean, and talk about a transition because as I was learning like this is your second degree, right? Yes. You have a first degree from UNC where you Got a teaching degree. So you go from teaching to then like brewery science, brewery management operations. Like that had to be a big kind of shift for you. It it was, yeah. So I got through, so I went to UNC. I graduated there in 2013 um, with a degree in earth science and secondary education. And I was in a seventh grade classroom and it was just not for me. <laughs> I'm not sure it's for most people. It, yes, it takes <laughs> a very grade? special person. That's in. a tough jump too. Like yes. it's like, oh, maybe start with like second grade where they're still friendly and like hugs can be rewards, but seventh grade had to be tough. Yeah. Yeah. It's thank you for all of you that do teach middle Correct. schoolers because yeah, it, it, it was tough. And so I got done with that and proceeded to kind of go on a life journey to figure out what I wanted to do. And it ended up in beer, which I'm okay with. <laughs> I think most people would be okay with that. Yeah. Right. But Colorado natives, so you grew up here in Denver or? Um, so I grew up in Brighton. Okay. Uh, which used to be a little town. Not so little Nothing's anymore. Nothing's little anymore. <laughs> no. My goodness. My parents uh, live up in the Windsor, Fort Collins area. And so even when we first started driving from Denver to there, like still not a lot of things. Now it's a lot of things. <laughs> Pretty much the whole way it from is. here to there, there is towns and houses and something going on. So when you told your parents like, hey, I'm going to go back to school and I'm going to get a beer major. <laughs> What kind of jokes did you get? I'm like waiting for all the dad jokes to come out of there. (laughs) My dad was happy about it. Um, I think that year, that first semester that I was in school for Christmas, we got him a home brewing kit. Very cool. And so it was just a one gallon brew on your stovetop set. I I don't even remember what it was. I think it might have been a triple, Belgian style triple. uh, And we ended up putting a bunch of raspberries in it just to... Have yeah. fun with it. Why not? A little razzle dazzle, exactly. one could say. <laughs> I don't remember what we named it, but that would be a good name. Uh, and so we got, he was very invested in it from the sure. beginning. Uh, and then, so I had originally started the program thinking that I was going into management. Sure. I had worked for a company. I had moved to North Carolina for a little mm-hmm. bit, worked for a company, and the management was lackluster to say the least. So I thought that that would be a good path and could lead me into a lot of different careers. Sure. Uh, but when I was working there, I worked with a lot of breweries uh, for the for their nonprofit section and loved the community, loved the work. And so 
when I had started the management program, I learned quickly that that also wasn't for me. I was not engaged. I did not enjoy the classes a whole lot. And so I went and talked to my advisor and he asked me point blank, like, what, what do you want to do? What's yeah. your goal? I was like, honestly, I was kind of considering starting out managing in a tap room. He's like, oh, so you like beer? Love beer. <laughs> Turns out, yes. Yes. And so then he told me that they were starting up a degree program for brewing. That's perfect timing. And I said yes and signed up and haven't looked back since. Ah, <laughs> uh, that is very awesome. Um, I took a beer class here. I think it was the Beers of the World class. Yeah. Katie Strain taught it because um, I was like, well, yeah, let's take a class where I get to try out a bunch of beers and like learn about mm-hmm. what makes beers what and what, you know, all of that stuff. Um, my favorite day, though, was when I got an email that was like, you need to come pick up beer supplies. Like we had to pay a student fee for this. And so they're like, <laughs> pick them up at the Hospitality Learning Center. So I walk over, you know, and they're like, bring your ID. And I was like, what am I getting into? Yeah. So I have to get my ID checked. And then I just got handed a basket of beer. Yes. <laughs> and I was like, these are my school supplies for the semester, I guess. And then my my, beer, my fridge was filled with all sorts of beer that I would normally never buy. But man, I came to learn that there's a lot more things I like that I had no idea that I liked or I had these presuppositions that like, oh, no, I don't like IPAs. They're too bitter. Mm-hmm. And it's like, no, there's actually certain things about certain ways that an IPA is brewed that I don't like those. But I like this over here. And turns out I really like dark beers. Had no idea. Yeah, yeah you know? it's it's incredible how large the realm of beer is. If anybody has watched a judging ceremony for the World Beer Cup or GABF, it takes hours because there are so many categories and so many different styles and types of beers that if you don't like beer, you just haven't tried enough beer. (laughs) Correct. That's 100%. There was actually some students in the class, many of whom were in like some sort of hospitality major Mm -hmm. out of that school, Um, many in the beverage degree. Me, I was just auditing a class and thought beer would be fun. But then there were a handful of um, young students that were just like, oh, no, I just don't, I don't really like beer. Mm-hmm. And my professor, same thing, was just like, no, you just haven't tried the right ones yet or enough of them to figure out what you do and don't like. Yeah, just pretty incredible. Yeah, but I learned a lot in that. And I actually noticed as I was doing some research on you, you I, we have a very similar Cicerone certification. Hey! I'm an official beer server as well because I could take that test and not have to take the final. Perfect. That that was a good bonus. <laughs> it was a bonus. I was it, like, yeah, It makes you a little we'll more legit anyways. And That's yeah. right. Now, if I could yeah, remember any of that stuff now to tell you, <laughs> absolutely not. But at the time, I was really locked in. That's you know? all right. Yeah, absolutely. That's awesome. So you're at the Sandlot Brewery now. Yes. Uh, part of uh, Miller Coors. Molson, Molson Coors. Coors now. Molson. Yeah. Recently started in this gig, right? Yes. So I started back in September, so about nine months now, Mm -hmm. if my math is right. Yeah. It's been a fun... It's a a unique place to work that it's just the two of us. It's me and my coworker, Mike Miller, and we run the whole joint, and it's really fun. How many barrels? Uh, It's a 10-barrel system. Okay. And how many different beers are you brewing in that space? We... Currently this season, we have seven beers that are on tap. Okay. Uh, we have a couple others that uh, can be purchased and sold, but we kind of have them down mostly because we enjoy them. Sure. Uh, but they, they can be purchased as well. So, <laughs> uh, But we have, yeah, seven, seven that are out in the market around the Coors Field Stadium. Sure. But an exciting thing, and I know you've probably talked about this at length. In fact, I just recently read an article about you talking about um, kind of breaking a lot of the gender barriers. So we won't hammer on it, but it is important and it is super cool. You're the first woman that graduated from our beer ops yeah. program. Were you of those five graduates? Were you the only woman? I was. Yeah. So it's easy to know you yes. were the first. Yes. So. <laughs> it wasn't just alphabetically. You yeah. got the degree first. Um, but then your first woman in the 29 year history of the Sandlot actually having a woman uh, brewer, which is pretty incredible. Yeah. And so I imagine you've run up a, against a lot of 
spaces and a lot uh, of different work environments where you might be the only woman in the room. How has that been very challenging or do you just, is it one of those things you don't notice and they notice it more or what has that been like? So I have been very fortunate in my career with the people that I've gotten to work with and the companies that I have worked for that have been very accepting. I haven't felt any biases from them and it could partly be my demeanor that I just am who I am and I just right. face things as they are. Uh, but I, I, I do accredit it to the people that I have worked with as well, that I've always felt very accepted in the industry that I've been a part of. Um, I know that hasn't been the case for all women, sure. um, which is very unfortunate. It is very cool to be part of the, the Sandlot history because I feel like so much of Sandlot is based off of their background and their history and their legacy and the things that they've developed and created over the last 28 years. And so to get to be a part of that and bring something new to the table uh, is fun. To your point, it isn't that legacy. The first time that I, and I've been to many a Rockies game for 10 years that I've lived here, but the first time that I was finally told that Blue Moon was actually developed at Sandlot, I was like, well, how did I not know that? Like, how did I? And so to know that that in in a short, you know, less than 30 years history, you have a really definitive brand in that space. And now to your point, being a part of what will likely be more legacies that will come out of that space has to be pretty cool. Yeah. Was the Sandlots and like Blue Moon, was that Coors's first like in-house micro brew or had they been doing stuff before that? Because I know obviously they have a lot of affiliate brands and brands that they purchase that do micro stuff, but was that their first one that they did? So I would have to double check yeah. to be sure. Uh, AC Golden may have come first mm. and they're the brewery that's actually located in Golden mm-hmm. in the Coors brewery yeah. there. So they may have been first. We were built into the stadium when Coors became a part of that creation in, uh, what, 1993. They started building the stadium, and then it was it came to fruition in 1995. And I think a common misconception is that we were our own individual craft entity, but we were a creation of Coors. We've always been part of Coors, right. so we weren't bought out mm-hmm. or anything uh, by them. The only one I can think of that would would have been first was AC Golden. Yeah. To that exact point, they hadn't, Coors hadn't been in the micro game themselves. Yes. To, um, you know, they weren't too deep into that. And so that's cool to be a part of that too, because microbrewing has taken Colorado by storm. Yes. <laughs> yes, Jeez. it has. So you've worked in micro spaces and obviously um, you had your first internship with Coors as well, right out of school, very highly competitive internship out in Ohio, yes. right? Yes. So you've been kind of in the mass produced beer world too. Mm-hmm. Um what are the differences you've seen and what do you what did you like more about each? And I'm sure there's a little bit in oh each each place, right? Yes, absolutely. So when I started in the program, I was working at Brews Beers, which is up off of 67th and Pecos, and it's an all-Belgian brewery. And I basically got hired on the week they opened. So wow. I was with them for their first two years of being open. And so it was a unique experience to get to be part of that kind of startup and figuring out all the kinks and getting everything working correctly. The thing I really liked about brews was the amount of like a tight knit community that you have that you're very close with your bosses and your coworkers and getting to see the same clientele all the time. I think that's one of the biggest differences is that all I have to do now is brew. I don't have to be a bar back and a brewer. (laughs) I, but I, I very much enjoyed getting to bartend as well. You get, that social aspect that you don't quite get 
having a two person team in a basement. So, <laughs> um, I think that community aspect was a, a, a big part of it, of being part of the smaller brewery. And when I went to the bigger brewery, it was harder to make relationships and get to know people, but the insane amount of knowledge that the brewers have there is incredible. They are the best brewers in the world that work for uh, Molson Coors and larger companies. The amount that I was able to gain from those individuals and that I was able to learn in those processes and you get to see everything, the entire process that occurs. Uh, so I would say that's one of the biggest bonuses is that I got an incredibly good education sure. through that. Um, as well as MSU, obviously. Yeah, of but <laughs> I mean, that's getting what we're here to that talk about. Was no. <laughs> um, a great start for that. I would say those are the two biggest things yeah. that I. I, I think take away. I think about it. I mean, obviously, here in Colorado, we've been. I mean, you can't throw a stone and not land at a microbrewery. So, mm-hmm. seen a lot of those, taken a lot of those tours. Um, but what blows my mind because I, I love that side of it for the creativity, and I love watching brewers figure out what they want to add to whatever beer to give it whatever flavor or this pop. And, and it's such a cool thing to have that kind of creative outlet. But then I think about these mass scale, huge breweries. And when the few things I did learn in my quick class here, you know, about just even the things like the acidity and the pH levels and the alkaline levels and all the things in the water that make a beer change, taste differently. How do you make a beer taste exactly the same across not just even a state or a country, but a whole world? So Mm -hmm. if I walk in, I go get a Coors Light somewhere, I know what I'm getting. To me, that is fascinating because you have to know that depending on whatever water you're using, whatever things look like, that you're making it Mm -hmm. taste the same. That has to be horribly hard. And if they need taste testers, let me know. I, I will. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It, that's the, the whole point that it's, it's a seemingly very simple beer. It's a light beer. Right. Um, there's not a ton to it other than that it is a good beer. Uh, so, but to get it to taste the same exactly every yeah. time. And, and is, I just think that has to be such a different, it's such a more scientific skill set from a brewer standpoint. Because it's. I was amazed at how much science is in the process of brewing. When you're just a connoisseur of beer and not of the process, you don't think too hard about the science that's mm-hmm. behind most things. So that was eye-opening for me as we moved here and as I've learned more about beer. But then to think, gosh, when you're doing it at that scale, and then the ramifications are big. You mess up. You're, <laughs> you're messing up a huge batch, and that's a lot of beer that's going to waste, including you know, everything that goes into that. The other thing that was so fascinating to me to learn about was how much water it takes to make beer. Mm -hmm. Not just the water that's in beer, but to the cooling process and the mashing process and everything else that goes in. It was just one of those, like, so many things that are probably, duh, like you sit there and you're like, right, this is what I do. You're an idiot for not knowing. (laughs) I'm impressed But, you you know, but it's just one of the, my education, my one class, my one semester. I take my education here seriously, you know? Yeah. (laughs) Katie Strain, everyone, you should take that class. It's great. (laughs) The, The brewers know this and, everybody that's in the industry, the amount of work that they put in to having savings and reducing water loss. It's not just making the beer, it's maintaining everything else as well. So I did an internship with Molson Coors and then I did a traineeship and that was the main in-depth portion that I had that I started in wastewater management and went all through the entire process to packaging. So it was front to end yeah, yeah. <laughs> process. Um, could have used better terminology for <laughs> wastewater, but um, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> no, I think it's actually perfect. We're going to oh. stick with the dad jokes. All right, so that all right. spot on. <laughs> um, knowing the entire process and knowing the impacts that it can have outside of just making the beer of everything that's going into it, it is 
it's it's a lot. It, it is takes a lot. a lot to make beer. It does take a lot to make beer. And I, I have noticed that there's been a lot more, to your point, the sustainability efforts in beer has been really, um, I think, on the front of mind of the industry because we realize yeah. that that needs to happen. And then especially in states like Colorado and anywhere on the western uh, side of the country where we have water problems, like mm-hmm. there's a lot of great opportunity there. And I, I'm excited to see where the innovation takes us because we know we can do it better. We just maybe don't know how yet, right? Yeah. Uh, which is pretty exciting. Yeah. yeah. Don't know until you know. That's true. Yeah. Um, so the Sandlot Summer Session, curious yes. about this, Brew. So this, you, you're laying in bed and you're like, you know what, here's what we're going to do. Or how does it come, how does the recipe idea come? What's the creative process? Yep. So the background of Sandlot they really like their classic style beers <laughs> for all intents and purposes. They like their clean, they like their lagers, a, a porter, a red. Um, it took them quite a few years to convince them to make a hazy IPA to get that on tap. Uh, so to venture out of either German style beers or just very classic beers uh, was not the MO of the Sandlot. Um, incredible beer, but not outside of that realm. When I started down there, I was the new, new young kid. And so I was like, I got ideas. I'll throw in an IPA (laughs) because that's what everybody wants. And so I decided to do that. And it wasn't until after I had come up, wanted to make that beer that it was just different than the rest of our portfolio that we had. Lots of people love hazy IPAs because they don't taste like IPAs a whole lot. They're that juicy, Mm -hmm. full flavored. Um, So I wanted something that was just super crushable. It's only 4% alcohol. Uh, that you could have a couple of and not have to worry a whole lot and just really good flavor, but very clean and crisp at the same time. That was kind of my initial precipice. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. To want to diversify that. Uh, And then when the Rockies came to us and said, Hey, would you mind doing a beer for our 30th anniversary? It was pretty much the same day that we were brewing that. And I was like, perfect. (laughs) There you go. It adds up. (laughs) So uh, just that was kind of a turn of fate that it ended up being the beer for them. Yeah, uh, but I think it I think it fits very well for it. Well, and it's probably a good like gateway beer to try and get <laughs> right. Sandlot into some of the other stuff that people are experimenting with other places. Yeah. You still want to maintain kind of your brand, which is like clear, crisp. This is what I want to do, and so mm-hmm. if you can have this one that kind of tests the waters a little bit, that maybe can open up some more creativity for you in the future. But yeah, yeah, absolutely. So with it just being two of you, I'm fascinated by this too. Yeah. So are you are you purchasing the hops and figuring out all the like locally sourcing whatever you could locally source, getting whatever you want. Are you doing everything from start to finish to say, here's exactly what I want? Yep. Yeah. So we pretty much run the the whole show. So purchasing what we want to make our beers. Mm-hmm. Um, thankfully we have a very prosperous internal purchasing that we sure. can get stuff from, which is nice. <laughs> <laughs> I know that can be a challenge for breweries that don't have a big brother as sure. we call it. Uh, yeah, but yeah, we do all that purchasing and everything and getting our hops and yeast and uh, we do that from an outside source as well. So we pretty much run the whole process through yeah. that. Um, was kegging today, brewing tomorrow. Jeez. So, <laughs> I mean, it's never a dull moment, I guess, but no. yeah, that's awesome. So let's talk a little bit about your time at MSU Denver. So how many years were you actually here since you came in with, as a transfer student, all your prerequisite stuff got wiped away. So you really just had to take major classes? Yes. Yeah. So I was here for two years. Perfect. Um, most exciting class you had? Oh my goodness. So it'd be hard to choose between two, either um, just the brewing science class where we actually got to brew and learn a lot about that process, or I also really enjoyed fermentation science as yeah. well. Uh, just because yeast make beer, we don't. Mm-hmm. Correct. We make wort. Uh, <laughs> so learning about 
the microorganisms and everything that they do and getting to really take care of them. And Again, the that. science of it is crazy yeah. when you really get into the biology of that. And that's where... I, that's what I think I love most about having an in-house brewery operations program at our school is that you're learning on the surface. People say that all the time. Oh, you have a beer major. It's like, right. But let's talk about what that is. It's actually really a science major. Yes. Then we just happen to be focused in on this specific biological science, you yeah. know? Yeah. That was kind of the, I would tell people that I was in the program mm -hmm. and that's what I graduated with a degree in. And, and everyone else would be like, oh, me too. That's I fun. graduated with beer. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, beer. Right. Yeah. <laughs> that must be fun or that's easy. And, yeah. um, when I came in my first semester and I had to take organic chemistry mm -hmm. and biochem back to back. And I was like, yeah, not so not, easy. Not fun. Never mind. <laughs> uh, so that was, I, I didn't expect to have to take those. And then when I did, I was like, all right, this is, this is serious. This is a legit degree and they, they make you earn it. So they do. Um, uh, that's awesome. Any, um, anything you were connected with on campus? Like were there, I know now there's like a homebrewing club that runs out of, uh, the hospitality school, which I think anyone can be a part of, but obviously a bunch of them, um, most of the students that are a part of it are in fact brewing majors. Um, but any, any ways that you got engaged while you were here on campus? The majority of what I did was with the brewing school. So, I didn't do a whole lot with the home brewing, but as far as hosting, they would host events and networking and stuff. And so mm -hmm. I would volunteer for those events. Um, unfortunately, with working at the brewery and stuff, I didn't engage as much as I would have yeah. liked. But that's, the, but that's the story of the majority of our students, right? Yeah. 80% of our students are working while they're on campus. And so mm -hmm. we need to find ways to engage them that can plug into what you're either already doing or an interest area that maybe we're not hitting through the academic program. So it sounded like you were getting a lot of what you needed. You got the classroom space, you took advantage of the networking, um, learning what you need to do, yes. and then probably applying a lot of that as you went to your job. Yes. Right? Yeah. I was very like, fortunate to have a job in the industry that I was trying to enter into at the same time that I was going to school for it. So I was able to learn a lot and apply it and talk to the brewers that I was working with and have that outside source, which was fantastic. And I did like how engaged in the community the school is, that they work with other people in the industry. And so I did an internship with Great Divide while mm -hmm. I was going to school here and then doing the internship with uh, Olson Coors. My current <laughs> um, employer. Um, <laughs> getting to see those places. And then we went and did a lot of tours of different locations, yeah. uh, dairy engineering, which mm -hmm. doesn't sound that cool, but you get to see like all the pumps and the tanks. And for mm -hmm. a brewer, you're like, this is amazing. This is the biggest heat exchanger I've ever seen. It, it's a, it's a thing. So, <laughs> uh, I did like that part that you got to meet a lot of the people that are in the industry and start to get involved early on. Yeah. When I was in the beverage class, we took a field trip to Hogshead Brewery, uh, which is a cast brewing um, brewery. And uh, one of the students actually in MSU Denver's brewing program works there, which was very cool. So we got to see all of that. And as we were there, I learned that it was the only cast brewing brewery this side of the Mississippi. And I was like, we have that here in Denver. And now as a part of this course, I got to experience that. And then I think about all the ways that people might want to get into this industry. And we have it at the fingertips here in Denver, which is very cool. Yeah. 
And that's honestly one of the reasons I chose, obviously I didn't initially choose this program, but one of the things I really liked about it over some of the others, because a lot of the other brewing programs are fermentation science based. So you learn how to be a brewer essentially, uh, where this is a much more rounded and you get a lot of management courses, you get a lot of, you get marketing, you get other items that can help you be successful in the industry aside from just being a brewer that allows you to be more well-rounded. That's part of the reasons I really liked it because there's only so many breweries. There's obviously a lot of them um, and a pretty high demand for brewers. But if you can bring something else to that set of, hey, I can do your social media. Hey, I can help do stuff other than just brew. (laughs) It can add a lot for you. And as well as if a lot of people that want to open breweries as well, it gives you a much better portfolio for that. Yeah, it's a great bang for your buck if I'm thinking about opening a brewery to say, hey, you can brew and you can order and you can do this Mm -hmm. and you can manage a tap room if we happen to have one attached or, you know, it is. It's a a great resume building, to your point, good portfolio to bring. Yeah. Pretty exciting. Something I learned, I just don't know if you know this or if we want to change your title at any point in time. I was Googling women brewers and the history of them and it's gone back for hundreds of years. In fact, women were some very early brewers with the monks and all that. And uh, what I, they gave us three different terminologies for women brewers. Hey. And I'm kind of glad they don't <laughs> exist, but then part of me was like, this is kind of rad. One was a alewife, and I was okay. like, now that one's out. Yeah. I don't want that. But then they had a brewess. And I was oh. like, you should call yourself the Sandlot Brewess. I like that. That one's kind of sweet. Brewis. And then they also said <laughs> Brewster as well. Sometimes okay. it was used for women in the space. I've heard But just of things to consider. All right. But Brewess right. sounded pretty <laughs> badass, to be honest. I like that. Like, I'm, I'm the Brewess. What if there was a way for you to combine all the things you love? MSU Denver and beer while supporting student scholarships. Become a lifetime member of the MSU Denver Mug Club and take advantage of your benefits at the Tivoli Tap House while having the satisfaction of supporting student scholarships. All members receive a custom beer stein and invites to monthly happy hours at the Tivoli Tap House where the first round is always on us. This episode is brought to you by The Vulture. They prefer to wing it. So a very important question that uh, the viewers and myself are dying to know. Mm-hmm. Is Coors Light and Keystone Light the same beer? And can you tell me? <laughs> <laughs> I've heard so many rumors. You know, there's the lore that it's just a marketing budget that's different. And I just, and I, by the look <laughs> on your face, it's like you can't tell me. <laughs> I, I, can, I cannot tell you. Um, that's a little too trade, trade secret, unfortunately. Fair, fair. Um, yeah, no comment. That's fine. Either I'm way, sorry. they're both great. <laughs> they're both great either way. Thank you. But I do love that. So of all, I assume a big part of, you know, having worked at tons of, uh, breweries, um, what are the things that I think excite you most? Like when you taste a new beer or you're in a space where you're like, gosh, this is really cool. Like what are those, is it a flavor? Is it a smell? Are there certain like, ran- is it one of, there's a random, <laughs> uh, ingredient that's put in there? Like what are the things that get you excited as a brewer? The struggle of being a brewer is that you're trained to taste things and taste the bad things as well. A beer that a lot of people will be like, this tastes fantastic. I'm like, this is not fantastic. It has multiple all flavors and I'm sorry. I feel bad. Uh, and so it makes you a little more picky, unfortunately. Sure. Uh, so I would say that's my primary thing is to go into a place and if they have clean beer, like, all right, You're in. we're, we're at a good starting point. Uh, so usually if I go to a new brewery, I will almost always try their light beer, mm-hmm. uh, Pilsner, Kolsch, yep. Hellas, 
any of those that it has nothing to hide. It, you, right. you can't hide anything right. in it. You can try it and you will be able to tell the quality of the beer from that beer and then move on from there. Once you're like, okay, that's good. All right, mm-hmm. we're probably good to go for the rest. That's kind of my my judgy starting point <laughs> when I try somewhere else. Um, so, but if so, if I have a really good beer in in a new place that that's fantastic and doesn't have any off flavors, that makes me really excited mm-hmm. about it. And so, then trying new things, I've come accustomed to certain hops that I really like that I'll usually always try, and I tend to not go too heavy. For beers, I, I stick a little bit lighter. Sure. Um, that'll also tell me a lot about a brewery if all of their beers are higher alcohol, like over a 6%, mm-hmm. and they have nothing that's lighter. That can tell me about the brewery and the brewer as mm-hmm. well. So if they have a fluctuation in alcohols and a bunch of different levels, that's a good sign too. <laughs> right. Um, I'm just being judgy on beers. Oh, no. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, You're an expert here. <laughs> Uh, so one of my favorite beers that I've had, it's, uh, it's called C3PA, C3IPA. Got it, got it, got it. Yeah. <laughs> that was hard to get. C3IPA. And it's from Bear Brewing. I used to live by there. So walking distance is always good, uh, to a brewery, which is hard to not <laughs> achieve anymore. Correct. Uh, but it's Cascade. This is going to sound familiar. Mm-hmm. Cascade Centennial and Citra. I would check their menu to Mm -hmm. verify what those hops are for sure. But a combination of hops, it's more of a combination where you get a really good fruity flavor, but then also a floral. Um, So you can also add in mosaic is really good for that. So anything with a balance with mosaic and then something else a little more fruity because it has a really nice floral flavor, I really like as well. So I I would say it's more of a combo and a balance of hops versus just a singular hop. Fair. Yeah. Yeah. What's the craziest thing you've put in a beer? Have you gotten there yet? Oh gosh, I made it's probably it's probably my worst reviewed beer too, but I liked it, so <laughs> that's what matters. Um, I tried a I made a mint cream ale. Ooh. It was called Mint to Be. Uh, that was when I was at <laughs> the Blue Moon awesome. Brewing Company in Rhino. Uh, so we got to play around a lot. They have a two barrel system there. And you get to just do all kinds of things because two barrels of beer. End of the day, if it doesn't sell, mm-hmm. it's not a big deal. Yeah. So. You get to try all different kinds of things. And so I tried, I put mint in <laughs> in that beer into a cream ale because they have a, a a nice finish. And I can't remember what the motivation behind it was. Mm-hmm. I think was it, it was like a- cookie season? No, <laughs> I think it was like, I was trying like one of the Yerba Mate drinks mm-hmm. and was just like, this is really good. I wonder if you could make this into a beer. I enjoyed it. It did not get good reviews whatsoever. That that was a little hurtful, but <laughs> awesome. I've learned to stay off untapped fair. anymore. <laughs> fair, totally Just fair. Stay away. <laughs> um, I I would go to that, especially like when I was tasting all these beers, and I cannot taste what I'm supposed to taste. Mm. Like even like there was one time I was like, yeah, I think maybe this is a little like, off, like there was some off tasting. I was like, it could be a little skunky. Everyone else in the class is like, this beer is totally skunked. I'm like, eh, I probably still would have drank it. Right. Like, like I just, it's not there. I'm, mm-hmm. I am by trade a Coors Light drinker. So like, that's what yeah. I love. So that's my baseline and that's, but I can enjoy other beers as they, as they come along. Right. But I'm just really bad at picking out. Everyone would say that they taste this thing and they taste a hint of this. And I'd be like, I taste beer. I don't know how to explain that. Mm. And so I would go to on Untapped oftentimes just to see like what have other people <laughs> said and what's there so I can try and like brain myself. And then I'm like, man, people are really mean. <laughs> they 
are. Like, yeah. like really mean. Like yeah. these online warriors, you it's, know? It's the closest I'll come to being like an Instagrammer is <laughs> right, having right. my beers reviewed on Untapped right. and like feeling hurt by that. Uh. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, another great job that I would love to have in the beer industry uh, is the person that gets to name beers. Because I hear you say meant to be oh. and I was like, yep, that's it. That is perfect. I love a good pun. I love creativity in that space. And so as the brewer, do you typically name your own beers or is there someone that's like, listen, this is what it should be? I do name them occasionally. It is probably my least favorite part. I rarely have a good one that like meant to be, uh, that, that probably preceded the beer. And so that made it easy. (laughs) Sure. Um, I was like, that's a great name. You should make a beer with that. So maybe it was that or the Yerba Mate, (laughs) one or the other that brought the name about. Uh, but it, I I struggle with it a lot, and but yeah, that I have would be to my name them. Job. So uh, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm just gonna give you a list of like a hundred fantastic beer names, and then you Perfect. can decide if any of them would fit anything that you want to make, right. or maybe it could inspire a brew. Yep. Yeah. Next time I'm I'm struggling, I'll hit That's you up awesome. and <laughs> ask you. Um, we talk about that a lot in my house. My wife and I are always like, we're really good at naming things. Yes. So. If you ever need anything named a dog. Yeah, that was my first question. Do you have good good pet names? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. They did have another one that they had a cease and desist. (laughs) (laughs) Alanis Morissette. No kidding. Was it called Jagged Little Pills? Because if not, it should have been. See, I'm good at this. That might have been it. It might have, but if it wasn't, I made that up in my head. And the letter, I'll obviously review all of this Mm -hmm. with them because I'm not positive of the, the, the true stories, but... They got a letter, as the cease and desist yeah. letter, and it was signed from Alanis with love. And so if you go to their tap room, oh, they have a the pilsner that's 100%. from Alanis with love is what they named it instead. Oh, my God. That's <laughs> awesome. But I hope it was Jagged Little Pills. I think it might have been. Yeah. <sighs> that's awesome. So, yeah. Fair enough. <laughs> um, so uh, you've been, what, nine months with Sandlot. What is the yes. typical... Time like how long is too long to be at the same brewery? Is there ever an issue about like getting complacent in that space? I mean, I feel like it could be the same with any job. Yeah, it's hard for me to say because I have kind of moved positions every about every two years that I've been with uh, Coors, and really with any job. Now that I think about it, <laughs> um, I'm like a two two year jobber. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I started full time with Molson Coors in twenty. 20- March of 2018, mm-hmm. so right after I graduated, and I did that for two years, and then I went to Blue Moon, and I was there for about two years, and then I went to Sandlot, and I've been yeah. there for about nine months now, so I've been with the company for five years now. So you got 15 March. months left at Sandlot. So exactly, so then and then we'll see what comes next. <laughs> yeah. but, it, but what's nice is that's all within the same uh, overarching organization, so the same type of... Same situation, same leadership, mm-hmm. same environment, which is nice, and just getting yeah. to explore different ways of brewing yeah. and different consistency. Yeah, it does, which is great. Yeah. yeah. Guy that I replaced after he retired back in September, and so that's why I moved into the Sandlot, and he he was there for 28 years. He was wow. part of the opening team wow. that opened the Sandlot back in 20, 1995, and he's still brewing. He went and opened his own brewery up in the mountains, cool. and so I feel like it's an industry that if you love it, you're in it, and you just get to make beer, and yeah. you love doing it. If you don't really love it, you may not stay, yeah, or you'll, you'll pr- move into some other section yeah. of it. So No, it makes sense. And I think it's one of those um, great industries where there's still a lot of opportunity for creativity, so you mm-hmm. don't get too stagnant in that space. I mean, really, your job is to make new 
different beers that still appeal to people, but that introduce them to something new and different. And so there's a lot of opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's a lot of room for growth as far as businesses becoming well-rounded and having all the components of a normal business. And I think there can be that kind of we're making beer, we get to just hang out and sure. drink all day and do stuff. And so having the right systems in place in order to make it a true, legitimate, safe business to be a part of is, I, th- I think, something that there's a lot of room for growth in the industry. And so having people that know that stuff, and again, back to the well-rounded program at MSU, sure. that is a benefit so that you can create that environment that's positive for everybody that's in it. A lot of people want to be brewers and because it is, it is a fun job and you do get to be very creative, but it is very hard work. It's very physical work. Mm -hmm. You have to take care of your body and yourself and it isn't, it isn't for everyone. No, it works great for me because I can't sit still for more than an hour. I'm actually doing quite well right now. I was going to say you're doing great right now. (laughs) I'm talking, it's distracting me. (laughs) Um, But sitting still for a long period of time is very difficult for me. And so getting up, doing something different every day, having not a ton of routine, uh, works well. Oh, there yeah. was something else I was going to ask. It has nothing to do with MSU Denver either, but <laughs> one of my favorite things about um, the, the Coors Brewery in Golden, or at least previously when you used to be able to take the tours for free and just take the short tour down to the tasting room, yes. is that the bartenders, and who I assume probably were part of the brewing process too, would like always be like, oh, you should try half this, half that, and they'd have these like fancy mixes. What are the ones I need to try? Like, What are your favorites? Oh my gosh. So, you know, I've never actually done that there. Oh, okay, fair but we do do it in our own tap room. Mm -hmm. And that's a a beautiful thing about beer is that if you have two different kinds of beer and you want a third, sometimes you can just make the third. Mm -hmm. I hope they don't get mad at me for this. Mm -hmm. Tom might. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But so if you want a, if say you have like a a Hellas, which is Mm -hmm. a nice light crisp beer, and then you have like a Bach, Mm -hmm. which is a darker Mm -hmm. beer, uh, you can easily blend those, and now you magically have a Vienna. Or, <laughs> oh, yeah, that's yeah. <laughs> More literal. Yeah, know, or know, yeah. a Vienna. It's a middle of the road, a little bit darker, a little bit more malty uh, blend there. Um, so that's yeah. There's a nice a nice thing about it. <laughs> sure. Well, and I think you get to learn. I was imagine experimenting in some of those ways. You get to learn what works, what doesn't work. On the back end, too, because even from a fully science standpoint, you're now at a totally different space where things are carbonated and that's mm-hmm. entirely different and it's adding different flavor just based on that and now you're getting to experience that. It's it's pretty exciting. I'm a um, Manmosa fan, as I like to call them. It's my Coors Light and orange juice. Like that. That's my, like, Saturday morning treat. Um, like and that. everyone's like, oh, you don't drink champagne? And orange juice, and it's like, I will. I, I'm not. <laughs> I like that as well, but I just love orange juice with Coors Light. Yeah. And I don't know what it is, but it is just like, it makes everything better. Yeah. Um, but you wouldn't, a, you know? Yep. I'm definitely a Michelada fan. See? So same, same, but obviously different. Yeah. But, 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 yeah. but same, same concept. Same concept. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Okay. So if MSU Denver was a beer, what would, what would it be? And we can answer that however you want. We can answer it in terms of the variety of beer. If you think it's going to be you know, a red, a Mm -hmm. stout or whatever, we can answer that way. And then if you can think a little bit about, since you're a brewist and you know what all of these uh, ingredients bring into the mix, what what could that look like? So one of the, I kind of have to talk myself through this. 
One of the things that I really liked about MSU and the brewing program, I specifically saw it, is the diversity of people that come here. The majority of the students are not kids straight out of high school coming to college. They're here, Mm -hmm. but there's also a, we had a lot of veterans that were in our program, people that are going back for a second time, go back after for a second career life change. Mm -hmm. So there was a huge diversity. So that's where my brain initially goes is something that it's beyond just the, the starting off fresh young thing. That would be more of like the Hellas lighter Mm-hmm. crisp, bubbly, <laughs> I feel. Um, people with a lot more life experience and a lot more that they've done and gone through that add to the entire experience in the programs. Um, so I imagine something a little bit darker, um, a little bit more maltier, so it has a little bit more backbone and a little bit more to it than just something light. So that leads me towards a, a red, mm-hmm. go with the, the color scheme, right, right. <laughs> a red <laughs> ale, uh, especially because a red ale is a very classic style. You don't see it a whole lot anymore. Um, it's a very, it's an older, it's a nineties beer is what they call it, which I think is also fitting for a lot of the generations that are here. Sure. Let's go red. I like that. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so you talked yourself into I it. That's did. great. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We, we recently just did this at a staff meeting just as kind of like an icebreaker. Like if MSU Denver was a shoe, what would it be? <laughs> and the answers were so fantastic because it really makes you sit there and be like, okay, what are the things that we are? as an institution who do we serve what is that collective characterization of like what we're trying to be and the role that we play in this community and then how can we combine those or pair those with attributes to a shoe or attributes to you know whatever the case might be it was very fun the car we had a car we had a restaurant um a rock band someone did too which was great and it was so fun to hear the collective voice of you know our our entire advancement staff saying like oh no because and I love you did it exactly that we are (laughs) diversity so I thinking along these lines and so we got to see a lot of who we are as an institution kind Mm -hmm. of personified or thing sonified because it's not a person I don't know what the (laughs) word is there but it's very but it's cool and I love I love that when we talk to alums that we hear that most often, like when you think MSU Denver and you think about your time at Metro, what is that? And people constantly talk about just the community that they had that was so representative of who you're working with now and who we mm-hmm. live with and what that looks like and have and getting to learn in those types of environments where someone right out of high school is used to learning because that's what they've been doing for the last little bit, textbook mm-hmm. learning, academic learning, versus someone that's coming back to school for the first time that hasn't opened a yeah. notebook or a book or a computer to do any sort of thing. You're mm-hmm. learning in that space. And so I appreciated it as a student here. I appreciate it as a faculty member here. Uh, And I love when I hear um, that alums had a similar experience and that it was beneficial. Yeah, absolutely. I think especially compared to my my first college experience, because now I have multiple, uh, MSU is a a lot of my classes were more collaboration work and you work in teams to do stuff and you're interacting with the professors more and it's less papers and tests and Mm -hmm. study and lecture and I, I definitely learned better that way. It was a very beneficial experience for me getting to go That's through awesome that. to hear. I, we hear oftentimes, too, and even my experience, um, I got a degree here uh, in public relations. I just kind of started taking class. I took a photography class because I was interested, and I was like, I've got a camera. I should learn how to use it. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, oh, and you also teach this, and you teach things I just didn't know. And I'd been on campus for seven years at that point in time. 
But what I loved is so many of our faculty members have not just the academic experience, but they're also bringing real world experience. So when we're having these conversations, like I'm being taught by uh, someone that is a full-fledged faculty member, like an assistant mm-hmm. professor here, but also owns a PR firm. And so she's able to say, here's how this plays out. Here's the concept we're learning right now. Here's what you need to know from a skill set standpoint so that you're competent in this skill and in this yeah. understanding. But now let's talk about how we apply that and what that would look like in the flexibility of a mm-hmm. workspace. And I imagine, especially in the hospitality industries, that yes. the value of that has to be unprecedented. Absolutely. Yeah, I know both the gentleman that I that retired that I replaced at uh, the Sandlot, Tom Hale taught here a while back. And then also uh, my current boss, John Legnard, also taught here for a bit, I believe. Um, I know he definitely has taught up at CSU, but has also taught here as well. So the fact that we get to be involved in the community as well and educate and teach while doing our jobs and that they're comfortable with that flexibility too is something I hope to take advantage of in the future. <laughs> 100%. We will gladly have you back to teach uh, the next generation of Bruises. <laughs> I just wanted to see if I could pluralize that. Good job. That's funny. Um, awesome. Okay, we always finish up with the same three rapid-fire questions okay. uh, to all of our guests. Um, they're easy, but take your time to think through what you want. Okay. Uh, first one is, what is your favorite MSU Denver memory? I, so the one that pops into my head, it was in, it was in class actually. It wasn't a outside of class, which I know, cause I know we had, we had plenty of fun going to, um, beer fests and stuff, but I, I specifically remember I had a very, um, close knit group. Most of the gentlemen that I graduated with that we were in most of our classes together and everything. And we were in, I believe it was a brewing science class and we had made a couple of beers and all of us were just figuring out what we were doing. We had made a couple of beers. We had put some in bottles, put some in kegs and something had not been cleaned properly. Mm. And so they sat over the weekend. The bottles were uh, forced carbonating in the bottles. The, Kegs were in a cooler and they were carbonating from the tank and everything. And we come back in and pretty much the entire box of bottles <laughs> had exploded. Mm. And there was literal shards of glass in the ceiling Everywhere. was how much they had exploded. And we go to try, we clean that up and we're like, okay, let's try the keg and see, like, see if we can figure out what happened. And we open it up and it just smelled and tasted like straight tomato soup. Mm. Which in a beer should not taste like that unless Mm you choose to have like a michelada or something. Um, And so it just, it smelled so awful. And having that mess up experience together and like, what did we do? (laughs) What has happened? Uh, And then getting to work through that and figure out what, where we went wrong. Uh, It's one of those good bonding moments for somebody. And super memorable would be that time you (laughs) brewed tomato soup. Exactly. Uh, what did go yeah. wrong? Did you figure it out? I feel like they may have been unrelated, but I think our boil was not long and vigorous mm-hmm. enough. Um, so I feel the so tomato soup, I'm going to get a little sciencey. Tomato flavor, it can also come across like creamed corn mm-hmm. or celery in beer. I learned all about yes. this. Mm-hmm. Uh, depending on how you perceive it, mm-hmm. um, is it usually gets volatized out of the solution during the boil. Mm-hmm. And so if you have a vigorous or long enough boil, it all gets blown off. And so mm-hmm. it's it's not left in there. So we didn't boil it long enough to get rid of that. I know that's what happened with the keg, at least. 
the bottles, I have a feeling we either added just too much sugar Mm. to, and it overactivated and really went after it. I don't think it was an infection based. I think we did okay with (laughs) that. Would have been really quick quick for an infection based to blow up a bottle over the weekend. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So I think we just added too much sugar. Well, lesson learned. There we go. (laughs) Yep. Yep. Every day is going to be a better day of brewing than that from here on out. So, you know, it's awesome. What does it mean to you to be a roadrunner? I definitely have more pride and connection to that than I do to my UNC degree, just because it has led me on this incredible career. And the only reason it happened at all was a push from my professors to get involved and get engaged and take those internships and be part of the community, I think was something that was very unique to have them invested in us by having that relationship, they pushed me. And so it's shaped my entire career. It got me where I am today. And I am incredibly grateful for that. Being a roadrunner is being a part of a bigger collective. Uh, yeah. Right? Okay. Right? Yes. I mean, that's helpful. Because we hear that all the time about the faculty members too, that like, mm-hmm. oh, my faculty member did this singular thing or this series of things. And it changed the course of my trajectory for my career, for my life, for whatever the case is. Yep. You don't hear that story. I think about that just that community, that extra mile people people go here for our students and for each other, and it is pretty incredible. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Awesome. Agreed. Okay, last one. You can take time to think on this one. Okay. But if you could put a billboard up anywhere on campus with a oh piece goodness. of advice for students, what would it say? Why you have to ask the hard question no, last? This last. is harder than the beer one. <laughs> <laughs> which, one which beer represents? <laughs> um just deciding to take that first step just to start, even if it is one class, even if it is complete change, if it's something that you've never tried before, taking the first step to figure out where you want to go and what you want to do, because you'll never figure it out if you don't start. I could have easily stayed in teaching and been absolutely miserable. So taking a step out of that and deciding to move to North Carolina and work on a horse farm for two years, like led me to this next step and then, and continuing to take those steps and you never know until you try them. Take the first step. Take the first step. <laughs> there you go. When I think about that, cause I'm always like, how would I answer that? And it changes every time I interview somebody. I'm like, cause I, based on our conversations, whatever's in my head. Mm-hmm. And what I was thinking as you were thinking, I was like, just try like literally that's so much of the conversation that I feel like today was, was like, just, just try, try this, try that. Whether it's a brewing, uh, a, a recipe for a beer, like just try, see what happens, whether mm-hmm. it is changing and uplifting an entire career or this, or talking to an advisor that's like, Hey, actually I think you'd be better over there. Okay. I'll try, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think there's so much power in letting yourself be okay that you take yeah. that step, you take that attempt, you start. If you stumble, that's okay too. Mm-hmm. Because guess what? You'll get to start somewhere else or try again or do this. Yep. And so I, I do love that. And I think it speaks to the yeah. resiliency of so many of our students and yeah. and why oftentimes many of us don't come to college till later in life because mm-hmm. maybe for too long we were afraid to try it. Or the circumstances weren't just right. Yeah. You know, there's families, there's jobs, there's financial obligations, whatever. When you have that opening, you see that path, mm-hmm. take the step. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. That's awesome. Cool. Well, Abby, thank you so much for joining us. This was uh, such a pleasure. I could sit and talk about beer 
for a long time. So proud of you as you know that as an institution, as our staff personally, uh, that you're in the seat that you're in. Uh, and I know we talked a lot about you being the first woman in spaces, but that's huge because that means no one else behind you ever has to be the first. Uh, and so, so excited for you leading the way uh, for young women uh, and old women and any woman that wants to get into this industry uh, knowing that they can take a step because you have also taken a step. So thank you for that. Thank you for having me. This is very fun. Good, good. And now you're off for the rest of the day. Yes. (laughs) So good. Uh, Well, thanks for joining us and uh, we'll see you soon. Thank you. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Bird Talk, special accommodation provided by University Advancement. Thank you to Ruby Matheny, Brandy Wrightout, Heather Holzbauer-Schweitzer, and Andy Schlichting. Production provided by David Sharman, and I'm your host, Jamie Hurst. Keep running, roadies.